last week? Easter. Many of us and many other people gathered here. It was an amazing day. Wonderful to be here. Wonderful to hear. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. It proves, proves that Jesus took away all your sins. An amazing day. Let me give you just a little snapshot of the rest of my week. And this wasn't it, but this was some of the things. Tuesday, I got word that a guy I know from town, his father died. Um, it wasn't unexpected. It also wasn't expected, though. Wednesday, I got word that a dear friend, um, a woman from the church I used to be at in Michigan, she died after a very difficult battle with a very, very rare form of leukemia. And her funeral is this afternoon. Then Wednesday night into Thursday, and this is maybe all of us now, you maybe heard about the shooting that was like eight miles that way. A 70-year-old doctor who's been practicing in this area for, for 40 years, since 1981. Like the building right across the street, he's the one who started it. it used to be called Riverview Medical Center. That was him and his wife and two of their grandkids, a nine-year-old granddaughter, a five-year-old grandson, and now both of the workers who were working on the air conditioning outside. Six people, eight miles that way. And then the gunman turned the gun on himself. And then someone, someone that I met for the first time on Wednesday evening found out that she taught for six years and is really, really good friends with the mom of the two children. And that just brought it home all the more. And that's just a little snippet. And that's just me. There's a bunch of other people here. There's a bunch of other people watching online. There's a bunch of other people out there. The week after Easter, so much joy and then so much other stuff. But here's the thing. I don't, maybe you had the best week ever. Or maybe you'd say this was the worst week ever. Or maybe it was kind of just a ho-hum normal-ish, got through the week just like any other. But no matter what kind of week you have, you had, Jesus is bringing you a message right now that he brought to a bunch of his closest followers, his 12 disciples, and then probably a bunch of other women and men as well. He brought it on Easter, and he brought it the week after Easter. And that is exactly where we are, a week after Easter. And he brings us this message no matter what kind of week you had. Here's what happened according to John 20, verses 19 through 29. Listen to these words from God. On the evening of that first day of the week, this is Easter evening, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, and both Thomas and Didymus, one's Greek, one's Aramaic, they both mean twin, because Thomas was a twin. That's how he got his name. One of the twelve, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, as you can imagine, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Remember those three things. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those, and this includes all of us, who have not seen and yet have believed. This is God's word. That Easter evening, Jesus had risen that very morning. Mary Magdalene had saw him. Um, Peter and John, they didn't see him, but they saw the empty tomb. And there was word spreading. And there's a bunch of disciples, probably the original ones, but then also other women and other men as well, maybe children too. And they were huddled together in a locked room because they were scared of the people who killed Jesus. And then Jesus comes to them. And he came with a message. And you heard him say it three times. He said to them, on three separate times that day and a week later, he said, peace be with you. And if you strip that down, you could literally say that Jesus is saying, peace is yours. And when Jesus says that, he can mean a number of different things because peace can mean a lot of different things. We think about peace in a lot of different ways. We think about peace um, as the antidote to stress. You're looking for peace when you're in the middle of a stressful time, and so maybe a synonym for peace sometimes is calmness. Or we talk about peace um, in the context of nations and groups in the world. You say, oh, is there peace in the world? Well, are there any wars? Is there fighting? If so, then there's no peace. But if there's not war, then there's peace. Is there peace in the Middle East? Well, are there any wars going on? Is anyone fighting each other? If not, then there's peace. So there's peace might be the absence of conflict. And we talk about that, and we think about it that way in relationships too. Or the lack of peace. Like Maybe there's that family member. You just can't see them or get together with them without getting into some sort of argument. Like You're thinking ahead to the next time you're going to see them right now, and you're like, who's going to blow up this time? What's going to be said that causes everything to explode? Or maybe you've got a coworker that it just makes work unbearable because there's tension when you're around that person because there's, there's, no, there's no peace. Maybe it makes you want to switch jobs. Tension between people, fighting, maybe not physically, but verbally or emotionally. Or you could talk about having inner peace. And this one is maybe the hardest to define of all of them. Um, I found one therapist this week. She said this. She said, some say peace of mind lies in security. Okay? Some say it's about decluttering and finding stillness and calm in life. Some say inner peace is about acceptance, maybe accepting yourself or maybe accepting the way things are and letting go. I say it's all about what you do. All those things could be valid in one way or another. And then there's peace with God. 
Romans 5 verse 1 says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have, right now, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what that is saying is since God justified you, since he declared you innocent because Jesus took away all your sins, you're good with him. There's nothing between you and God. No conflict, no tension, no matter what you feel guilty about, no matter what you did, there's nothing. Nothing standing between you and God because Jesus took it all away. All of that. But Jesus here, when he says, peace be with you, he's not talking about any of those definitions for peace. Because there's another one. The Greeks thought of peace as a state of well-being. A state of well-being. Complete well-being. Everything right, nothing wrong, nothing missing. And, and it was tied very closely to the Hebrew concept of shalom. And the word shalom, the concept simply means completeness. And so, think back to those people, however many there were, huddled in the room with locked doors on Easter evening, 12 hours after Jesus rose from the dead, and they're scared. They're afraid of the people who killed Jesus. They're afraid of what might happen next. They're also mourning Jesus' death because he died right about 48 hours earlier. And they're also confused because they've heard rumors that he's alive. And there's actually more and more people coming saying, hey, we saw Jesus alive. But most of them had not seen Jesus yet. And so there's all these things going on. And it makes me smile. It almost makes me chuckle. Because I just think of a cartoon. Poof. Jesus appears. I jest, but like, was there a cloud that appeared and then there was Jesus? It makes me chuckle, but mostly smile because it's just so good. Jesus appears to them, and the first thing he says is, peace is yours. He's saying, I am here. I am alive. So, remember the definition? So, you are complete. You have completeness because I am here. You'll still, you know, you're still in danger. You still might be sad. You'll still mourn. But I am here, so you have peace. It's the first thing that he said to them. You're complete because I am here. And you know what the last thing Jesus said? said to the group of his disciples before he got arrested, the last, and this is important because it's the last thing that he said. We looked at this two weeks ago. In John 17, Jesus says a long prayer to his father. But John 16, the very last verse, Jesus says this. He says, I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. The last thing he said before he died to all of them as a group, the first thing he said after he rose was that you have peace. You are complete. And the key words are in me. Not in anywhere else. Not in anything else. Not in any other situation. In me, you have completeness. You think, and I'm included here too, you think that your life will be complete when When you find the perfect balance, finally, of work and leisure, of tasks around the house and relaxation, when you figure that out, when you're not burned out but you're engaged, then your life will be complete. Or when you finally get that relationship, that's going to make your life complete. Or the relationship you're in right now, whether you're married or dating or it's just a relationship with a friend, when you work through that 
that thing that's between the two of you, then, then you'll be at peace. Then your life will be complete. Or you think life will be complete when you're finally finished paying off all your debt and you've dug yourself out of the hole, then you'll be complete. Or when your job gets better or when you get that new job or when, or when your health gets better or when, when you finally get that much-needed away time that you need and that vacation and you can come back rested and rejuvenated, then you think, then, that's when my life will be truly complete and full and I'll feel whole. You think my life will be complete when? Fill in the blank. There's something for me. There's something for all of us. But whatever you fill in the blank with, it does not and cannot give you true peace. Maybe it seems like it will for a little bit, but it won't last. Because Jesus says, in me, you may have peace. No matter what you do or the situation you're in, you cannot fill all the holes of your life. Only Jesus can and only Jesus does. And that's what he did for the disciples, for all the people in that room. He didn't come into the room and say, you cowards, you're all here behind locked doors. All of you who promised you would die with me and then you left me, none of you except for John and my mother were at the cross. How could you? He didn't, he didn't come in after his resurrection and dump their sins on them. He assured them that he had taken away every last one of their sins. He said, peace is yours. You are complete. There's nothing between me and you and God. Nothing at all. And the absence of conflict between you and God, that is one of the most beautiful pictures of peace. There's nothing. You know how horrible it feels when you can tell between you and someone else there's something, there's something grating between the two of you? That doesn't exist between you and God. He did it for the disciples. He did it for Thomas. When I read it earlier, I said, remember those three things. Because Thomas said he needed three things if he was going to believe that Jesus was really risen. He said, he said, I need to see the nail marks, put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hands in Jesus' side. And Jesus popped into the room again. He said, peace be with you. And then he went straight to Thomas. And what did he say? Put your finger here. See my hands. In other words, see the nail marks. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. He gave Thomas exactly what he needed. He didn't hold his questions against him. He just provided Thomas with the certain object for Thomas' faith. He answered all of Thomas's doubts. Thomas gets a, a bum rap sometimes. But look how Jesus treated him. He gave him exactly what he needed. And he does that for you too. But don't miss this because there's more. Jesus promises peace is yours as he sends you out into the world. He did it to the, to the disciples and he did it to us. Because these words, they're not just for the people in that room, they're for us as well. Listen to these words, verses 22 and 23. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And here's the most amazing task that he gives us. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What does that mean? Jesus is giving every single Christian the most amazing task of announcing God's peace 
to people. He talks about this in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 as well. You get the amazing, joyous, wonderful privilege and responsibility of telling people, peace is yours. Jesus has taken away all your sins. Like of all the things you get excited to talk with people about, like you tell them, oh, this happened to me, or I got to do this amazing thing, or I saw this beautiful sight, or I'm excited to do this one month from now, and you get excited to share it, this is the best thing you can share with people. Just like I told the kids in the children's message. Peace is yours because Jesus loves you and has taken away all your guilt. That is the most joyous and most loving thing you can ever say to anyone. And it's all of ours. It's a task for all of us. But there's another part to it. And this part is equally loving, but I dare say there's no joy in it at all. And it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. Maybe the most difficult task Jesus gives us. He says, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now here's what that doesn't mean. He's not saying, if you're holding a grudge against someone who harmed you, and you don't feel like forgiving them, then their sins aren't really taken away. No, that's not the case. You can't mess up Jesus taking away someone's sins. If you're refusing to forgive someone of what they did to you, that's your sin. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's talking again about announcing their status with God to them. And this is incredibly, incredibly difficult. I can't say that enough. And here's the case. There's, there's two really important things for this, to, um, for this to be the situation. Number one, this has to be a person who calls themselves a Christian. Um, if, if you know someone who's not a Christian, this is not, about, this is not about them. This is like for someone who goes to your church or a family member who, who says, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I follow what Jesus said. I believe he took away all my sins. It has to be that person. And it has to be that they are blatantly going against God's word in an ongoing way. And here's the second thing that's so important. They don't care. They don't care that what they're doing is wrong at all. Um, they just don't care. There's no struggle. They're not sorry for it. And they have made it abundantly clear to you over and over and over again by what they say and what they do. This, Jesus is not talking about someone does something wrong. I don't care how wrong it does, how wrong it is. He's not just talking about that. He's saying if someone does something over and over again and doesn't care at all, is just like thumbing their nose at God. Then, then Jesus gives you the task, everybody, and it's so difficult. He gives you the task of going up to that person Again, I can't say this enough, after they've made it abundantly clear to you over and over that they don't care and that they're not struggling at all, Jesus gives you the task of saying, I love you and I'm so, so sad. But based on what you're saying and what you're doing over and over and over again and your attitude about that, it appears to me like you're not good with God right now. Your sins are on you. Not because Jesus doesn't love you and he didn't die for you, but because you're refusing the forgiveness that Jesus has offered you. It's the saddest thing and the most difficult thing, the most difficult thing in the world. And you say, please, I'm begging you because it really appears like you are in grave danger right now. 
And then hopefully, prayerfully, after you pour out your, your heart in difficult love to them, hopefully they say, oh, wow, you're right. I was wrong. I am wrong. Will God forgive me? And then you get to turn right around and say, peace is yours. Jesus has forgiven all of your sins. He took them all away, every single one of them when he died on the cross. And hopefully, prayerfully, there is the most wonderfully joy-filled ending because you get to say to them, peace is yours. So let me speak on behalf of Jesus. Because there's another part of this. Um, I said this is for all Christians, and it is. The Bible talks about how every single Christian is given the task of proclaiming God's word. Um, There's also another part, because you as a church, you have called me to proclaim God's word to you. And that's why at the beginning of, of church today, I said, as a called servant of Christ, I forgive you all your sins. I was doing what Jesus said here in John chapter 20. And you could do that too. You could say to someone that you're forgiving, like the next time someone says sorry to you, you could say, as Jesus' representative, I am forgiving you because that's exactly what you are. You're saying exactly what Jesus says to them. So let me, let me speak on behalf of Jesus and say, peace is yours. However your last week was, if your life feels empty or kind of full or totally full, your life is full. Not because of any circumstance, but because Jesus is alive and Jesus is yours. And he says, peace be with you. And it's not a wish, it's a fact. Peace is yours. And when peace is yours, when your life is full because Jesus loves you, then you can say things like this. And these words, they were reported by Greg Suskin of Channel 9 this week. He said, the four Leslie siblings wrote this statement. And the four Leslie siblings are the ones whose parents got shot and killed. And one of the Leslie siblings is the mother of nine-year-old Ada and five-year-old Noah, who were also shot and killed this week. And this is what they said. We are truly in the midst of the unimaginable. The losses we are suffering cannot be uttered at this time. While we know there are no answers that will satisfy the question, why? We are sure of one thing. We do not grieve as those without hope. Our hope is found in the promise of Jesus Christ, and we are enveloped by peace that surpasses all understanding. They were enveloped by completeness. They said, even though they didn't understand it, they never will understand it, even though they lost their parents and one of them lost her two children. She said, even in the middle of that, we are enveloped by peace that surpasses all understanding. To that end, our hearts are bent toward forgiveness, towards throwing away the sin, and towards peace. We honor all of those involved in this story with prayers and compassion, specifically for the Shook family, the Lewis family, those are the other two men who died, and the Adams family, and that's the family of the shooter. And they said, as Robert Leslie would say, when peace like a river 
attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's peace. That's peace. And as Jesus says, peace, no matter what happened this week, and no matter what will happen this week and the next and in the years to come, he says, I am here, I am alive, so peace is, peace is yours. Amen.